All right. If you have a Bible, Book of Romans. The Book of Romans. There it is. Okay. Now the notification just went out. Okay. It took a little while. All right. Okay. Book of Romans. We have been in Romans for a very long time. Just to show you how much teaching we have done in the book of Romans. If I go to, uh, well, the Church One app I was telling you about, if I go to the series Romans, I've only loaded up to this point, I've only loaded up to the very beginning of Romans 4. So from Romans chapter 1 to Romans 4, can anyone guess how many sermons that represents? 71. 71 sermons to get us from Romans 1 to the beginning of Romans 4. That, that means we have covered anything and everything. I, I, I doubt there's a lot of people who've preached that long into four chapters, but 71 sermons. That's well over 71 hours of teaching. So if anyone raises a question about Romans, I'm just going to go look at the series, okay? Because it's all there, right? But with that said, that means if we've spent that long, 71 sermons to get through Basically, three chapters, we're not even, that doesn't even get us through chapter four. So three chapters, 71 sermons for three chapters, what does that signify? Okay, not as complicated, does it, would you agree that it signifies that we haven't just looked at the big picture, we've looked at the details, yes? We've looked at the details, 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 details. Well, what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of take a step back and we're going to start looking at a section of Scripture and try to look at it kind of from a, a bigger perspective, right? Because I think we've kind of broken this section down already by looking at a lot of the details. But now we need to step back and look at it from a kind of a little bigger perspective. And hopefully this will be very beneficial and very helpful. One, one commentary stated it this way when, when it described this section. It says this. This is how one commentary describes this section. There are two ways of looking at stained glass windows. Either you can examine each odd-shaped piece of colored glass individually and inspect the way they're fastened together, or you can stand in a quiet church and let the sun shine through all of the pieces and bring the whole to life in glorious detail. Now, obviously, they're hoping that when they, their commentary, when they worked on this section, that they were going to give you all of the glorious detail that you could bathe in. Now, you know, I'm going to have a hard time letting us just stand in the middle of the church bathing in the glorious detail because I'm going to be like, no, come over here. Look, look, look. You see right there that little part of the window? And you're going to be like, leave me alone. I just want to stand in the glorious detail. I don't, I'm going to try to let us see the bigger picture. I'm going to try. I won't try drag you over to the window and make you look at the smaller details, okay? Because I think I've been doing that now for pretty much our entire time in Romans, yes? All right, now, the section we're going to be looking at is Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 39. Romans 28 to 39. Now, the way we're going to approach this this morning is I'm not going to approach this with it all organized, nice and neat, because you know that would not be fair, because I would be robbing you of such great opportunities, and you are all happy when I give you the opportunities to figure things out on your own. Yes? Okay? So we're going to read Romans 8, 28-39. We're going to read it. You, your job is to be paying close, well, I mean, technically you should have already been reading Romans over and over and over and over, because I say that anytime we start a book, what do I tell you to do? Over and over and over and over again. And how long does that usually last for everyone? <clears throat> Some people never start. Some people may read a chapter. But very few people continue to read the book over and over and over as we work through it. Because one, I know what you're going to tell me. Well, you're going to be in the book for 17 years. Okay. But that's no excuse. Because the more you read it, the more you observe. And the more you observe the better you can interpret. But you know what I've always found fascinating being a pastor? I can tell everyone to read it, read it, read it. They won't read it, read it, read it. But guess what everyone will do? Argue, 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 argue. Isn't that amazing? I don't want to do the work. I just want to tell you what you're supposed to know. Okay. Okay. That, that's just, 
I'll never understand that. I don't want to do the work, but I'm here to tell you that all of your work is wrong. Okay, and you're kind of like, okay, well, thank you. I appreciate that. But here we go. Everybody ready? It's going to be your job to come up with an outline this morning. Right? And you know what I love to do when I give you the chance to get, give me an outline? What do I love to do? Tell you you're wrong. Okay, no, here we go. Romans chapter 8, verses 28 to 39. Everybody ready? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he also called, and whom he called, he also glorified, and, who, and whom he justified, or, I'm sorry, he also justified, and whom he justified, to them he also glorified. I'm messing up the order there, okay? What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who, shall, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right. Did anybody notice something when we read those verses? Now, I know you're going to say, well, I didn't have time to to notice, but again, it's Romans 8, so I'm assuming, I'm hoping everyone's read this section a lot of times. What, what did you notice there? Okay, a lot of questions. Okay, good. Anybody see anything else? All right, I'm going to help you, all right, because I'm, I'm gracious that way, all right? I want you to go through those verses, 28 through 39. Do you see a phrase repeated that uses these words, these things? I got someone shaking their head yes in the affirmative. Okay, let's start in verse 28 then. Okay, let's work through this. Okay, I got one shaking the head. I got others are going, "Mm, not so sure. Okay, verse 28, and we know that all things, okay, may not use the word these things there, but things, I should just say things. So maybe I confused you there on purpose, all right. Work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Everybody see that? Look at verse 31. What shall we say then to these things? Everybody see that? Verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Or all things, I think, uh, depending on the translation. And then verse 37. Nay, and all these things... So we have these, we have things. We have a lot of things mentioned in Romans 8, verse 28 to verse 39. Things. I'm going to use that as the way to outline the chap, this section. All right? I don't know if it's a smart way, but it's the way we're going to use this. So here's the way I have it broken down. Everybody ready? Romans 8, 28. We know about all things. Does that know what the text says? And we know that all things. We know about all things. We know about all things in verse 28. Everybody see that? That goes down to where's the next all things appear? Which verse? 31, right? So that means 28, 29, and 30 is, we will list that as we know about all things. Then in verse 31, what do we learn? 
What should we then say to these things? Or I'm going to say this. We know, so in verse 28, we know about all things. That gets us down to verse 30. Verse 31, we can say it this way. We know about these things. We know about all things. We know about these things. Interesting, different phrase, right? All things, these things. That's an interesting. And then we have verse 32. What does verse 32 say? We know about, uh, I'm going to put it this way. We know about all the things we have received. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us. Shall he not with us freely give us, him also freely give us all things. We should know about the things we have received. We should know about all things. We should know about these things. And we should know about all the things we have received. And then that brings us down to verse 37. And what do we know about verse 37? Nay, and all these things were more than conquerors. We know that we are more more than conquerors in all things. So let's break it down. All right, everybody ready? Everybody ready for the outline? Here we go. Number one, we know about what? All things, verse 28. Number two, we know about These things, verse 31. Number three, we know about the things we have received, verse 32. Number four, we know we are more than conquerors in all things, verse 37. All right, now what, because I outlined it that way, because I outlined it that way, what should be the immediate question that should come to your mind? What things? We have to identify all the things, right? We have to identify things. And what do, you, what do you think is going to happen when we try to identify things? Nobody agrees. Commentaries don't agree. Preachers don't agree. Christians don't agree. Nobody agrees. All right? So that, that already puts us in a, a, a difficult situation, but we're going to look at them Anyway, and see what we can figure out. So, where's the first? Th- what are the first things we need to identify? And we start in verse twenty-eight, right? Okay. So, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. What things is verse twenty-eight referring to? Now, just because some people see the word all and just immediately want to apply it to everything, okay, but let's think this through, all right? Just from a textual, a textual perspective, what are your options to identify these things? Or, or what comes out? There's your only two options. There you go. What comes before or what comes after? What would be your argument if you're in a hermeneutics class? And I'm the hermeneutics professor. And you raise your hand and you're like, I think it, co- I think it refers to the things that come after, right? Okay. Well, let's say someone in the class said that and you're going to argue against them or maybe you're going to make that argument. What would be your way of either justifying that or arguing against it? I'm going to give you the option to go both ways. Next verse. Follow. Okay. All right. So, because it's because it's re- referencing the same group of people, you think the all things could refer to. I'm just, I'm just. I, no, no, I understand. I do that all the time. Okay, you you would argue before. Is there something that would make you, you would use to argue against the people in the class who'd be like, no, the all things come after, not before. What, what would you use to argue against them? Well, think of, okay, just think of it this way. Let's see if this makes sense, all right? If I had a whiteboard here, I would show you. If the first things 
refer to what comes after, then every preceding reference to the things would have to come after. Does that work? Look at the text. Would that begin to fall apart? Okay. If you say the first... Okay, in Romans 8.28, I said that some people believe those things are referring to something that comes after in verse 29 and following. Yes? Right? If that is true then every time we see another things or these things in the text, it would have to be what comes after, right? Because the, the first these things would be the things that come after it. The next things would have to be what comes after it. And the next things would have to be what comes after it. Yes? I mean, you wouldn't have these things referenced and then the next verse goes back to those things that have already been referenced. Yes? No? Or am I confusing everyone? Do I need to draw a chart? Okay, I, I, I need a yeah, yeah, I, know, I, I need a marker. Okay, all right. So everyone, stay with me. Okay, everybody, pay, look here, look here. Stop looking at your Bibles. Look at me. All right, here we go. Here's the Romans eight twenty eight. What does it say? Now you can look at your Bibles. All things. If those things are referenced, are it's referencing to things in verse twenty nine and following then it would have to stop at what verse? 31, yes. Because 31 references things again, yes. Okay. And verse 31, it wouldn't be referencing the things that verse 28 is referencing. It would be referencing, have to be referencing different things, which would come in the next, wait a minute. The next verse is another things. So then it couldn't reference that. That wouldn't make any sense. And then verse 32 would have to be referencing the things that come after it. And then you get down to verse 37. Yes? And then it would have to be referencing the things that come after it. You see how that starts falling apart? Or you've got things keep, or all things are referencing the exact same things, which is found somewhere between verse 29 and 30. You see that, you see my hermeneutical argument for saying it has to be that which comes before. Not not all the commentaries agree with me here. Many of the commentaries agree that comes after, but they don't address, they don't, in many cases, they don't develop their outline based off these things, these things, these things, these things. I'm thinking if you, the first one has to go back, and the next one has to go back, and the next one has to go back. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, verse 31 says these things, does it not? It has to be the ones that's just been mentioned. Has to be. So I'm going to say 28 can't be referencing those things that 31 is going to just turn around and reference. Good point, Robert. That's a good good catch. All right? Does that make sense? So let's, I could be wrong. So I could be wrong. So let's play the game and let's go. Remember what I like to do? I like, uh, I'll go one way and then we'll argue that way and then I'll go back and argue a different way because I like to get you involved in the process, right? Okay, all right? And listen, we're not, we're not dealing with some obscure text. Make, I, always, I know I always say this because I always say this as, as, as the most gentle rebuke as I can. This is not like something that's been hidden in you know, some dark tunnel somewhere. Every one of you should have been dealing with, have dealt with Romans 8, 28, the 39 a bazillion times. I mean, it's like, I mean, how... How well of, I mean, is there a passage not as well known as this? I mean, you, you know lots of people who quote Romans 8.28. Okay. Maybe the reason lost people misquote Romans 8.28 is because the church never bothers to study it correctly. Maybe that's, that's the problem, right? So here we go. Are you ready? So let's work on it. Here we go. Let me read it again. And we know. That all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Let's go with the concept that these things refer to what comes before. Let's just go with that concept. All right? How far back should we go? Oh, okay. Someone says we should go all the way back to chapter 2. That's a good argument.
What do you think? I hear silence. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go back to verse 18. All right. Let's go back to 18. Just because that's, the reason I'm going back to 18 is that's the section that immediately precedes it, correct? And that's, remember, where do you always start looking for context? Immediate, you look for immediate context first, right? Because the, the further back you go, the more difficult it can be maybe to prove your point, right? Unless you have a clear reference, a, a clear reference point. So let's go back. What, what, what do we start having, what, what's discussed starting in verse 18? For I reckon that the sufferings, oh, that's interesting, suffering. We have suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Now, we have a contract. If y'all remember, we studied this in great detail, okay? We spent forever on this, okay? So, what do we have? We have a contrast going on in verse, in verse uh, what, that's verse 18. What's the contrast going on in verse 18? Suffering of the present with the glory of the future. The suffering of the present can include what? The suffering of the present can include what? All things that lead to suffering, okay? I'm trying to like literally throw you a, pitch you a softball for a home run. I wanted someone to say, well, all things that cause suffering, right? I literally wanted, (laughs) I'm literally like, here you go. I'm like trying to play catch with a little kid. Here you go, okay? And they're just looking at me like, I don't know what he's talking about. Okay, all things that could cause suffering. Yes, persecution would be one of those things. What other things? It could be anything, sickness, anything. Okay, all sufferings, okay? Suffering, and it's contrasted with what? The glory to be revealed where? Now, why would it be the glory in us? Because we're going to be, well, we're the ones suffering, and when we're glorified, what will we no longer have? Suffering. All right? So the present time suffering, future glory. Okay, next verse. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. There's there's an expectation, a waiting. And when it says the manifestation of the sons of God, being manifested in what way? Being glorified. Right? Yes? Yes? When we're glorified, we, then the sons of God are clearly manifest, right? Here, I say a lot of people who profess, I don't know who possess, right? But in glorification, okay, just be manifest. Okay, ne- next verse. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Really messed up verse, but what is it saying? That everything was subjected to vanity, subjected to suffering, subjected to the meaningless feelings of this life. By whom? By God. Not whether you wanted it, but he subjected it in hope. He subjected it in vanity, but there was, it was done so in the hope of a future glory. In other words, when God subjected it in vanity, he knew that there was a hope to be included in it. All right, so far so good. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption and to the glorious liberty of the children of God. It's another contrast, yes? What's the contrast here? Yeah, bondage, because we're, in a, we're bound to a body that gets sick, suffers, pain, all of it, but we're going to find a glorious liberation in the fact that we're going to be manifest and will be glorified, okay? Next, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. All creation groans because they are suffering all kinds of things. Yes? Right? So we have the groaning. What's the next verse? 
And not only they, so not just the creation, but ourselves also. We, we also what? Grown, okay? Which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption with the redemption of our body. We're groaning as well, but we're groaning, suffering things, but we're looking for what? The glorification. The glorification. We have some hope. We may suffer, but it's suffering with hope. Why? Why, is, why do we have hope in our suffering? This is as bad as it's ever going to be. This is as bad. It's like when I was in basic, okay? All right? I did not like basic training. I did not like basic training. They yelled at me. They called me names. They didn't let me eat what I wanted to eat. All right? In fact, we had to go. You had to go to the table. You had to stand. You had to drink, what, four, was it four glasses of water? I don't remember. Four glasses of water before you could even sit down to eat. Right? And then you had like five minutes to eat. <laughs> trying to eat as fast as I could. I lost so much weight that I thought I was going to die. So then at different times of the day, they'd be like, Hammock, come here. And they'd take me. I had to go to the child and I'd go, go eat. Because okay? I was losing, like, I got down like 90 pounds. I was like, They're gonna, you're going to die. I'm like, because you won't let me eat, okay? I need food. Five minutes is not sufficient, right? And they're like, stand up. And, they, and they yelled, and you had to march, and you had to go outside, and it was hot, and then I had to run a, an obstacle course, and then some girl kicked me in the face, and it was like, and there was water, and there were bugs, and then I had to go crawl under stuff. It was no. It was horrible. It was horrible, horrible, horrible. Okay? Make you, go to, make you turn off the lights and go to bed like at 10.30? What is that nonsense? Okay? And then come in with a trash can screaming at you and flip your bed over at 5 in the morning. I'm like, what is this? No. Didn't like it. It was suffering. But guess what? Hope, there was hope in it. The hope was, one day I'm going to leave this horrible place in Texas. One day I'm going to be on a bus and Lackland Air Force Base is going to be in the rearview mirror and I'm never going back. There was hope. So what kept you moving forward? Hope. Well, we have hope in our suffering. And it's better than leaving Lackland Air Force Base. It's entering into heaven with a new body, no more pain, no more suffering. Okay, you, you see that? All right. So there's that hope. So far, so good. For uh, next verse, for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he, what doth why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we have patient? Then we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray, for we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the heart knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. What else can give us hope? We have hope for what is going to happen in the future and we have hope because someone is making intercession for us right now. I don't, look, it's great if you pray for me. But you know what? God himself is making intercession for me. It's far better than all of your prayers combined. Right? I mean, it's better. So I've got hope that there's going to be a glorification, and I have hope that God is making intercession. But all of that refers to what? Suffering. Next verse. We know. Oh, we know something. How do you typically know something? Because you've just been taught something. Right? Isn't that the hope? Sarah, when you teach the kids at your school, when the day is over, don't you say, now you all know the following. It's like at the end of my sermon, I'm like, you all now know, and then y'all look, we don't even know what we just did. Okay, But you, typically, you know something because you've just been taught something. That, in theory, right? That's a theory you can write down, right? You typically know something because you've been taught something. Did he just teach us of something? What, what did he just teach us? <clears throat> About the present suffering, right? And the hope. 
Now, next verse. We know something. What do we know? All things. All things. Do what? Work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, this is specifically for, for the believer. This is specifically for the believer. So if it refers to those things, right? If we limit it to those things, what things is it referencing? Suffering. So we know suffering works together for our good. Now, let me, they important. What good? For our spiritual good. For whose purpose? God's purpose. If you, if you read this any other way, then you're going to think it's going to work together for your good. Because that's how people typically read it. Like, okay, you're going through a horrible situation. All things work together for good, almost implying that it's going to somehow make your life better. It may make, it's going to be bettering you spiritually. How does suffering make us better spiritually? How does suffering make you better spiritually? Someone said humbling, okay? But just based off, the, the previous section gives you the hint. There you go. Suffering gives you not to focus on the temporal, but to focus on the eternal. Suffering causes you to focus on not loving this world, but loving the world to come. The best way to stop, look, okay, I, I, I know it's hard to comprehend, but if someone, you know, let's say, well, I've, I've done, they do this with a number of things. Let's say you just got a love for, for, say, who knows what. If you can create some suffering to go along with that thing, it may break your love for that thing because you don't like the suffering that comes with it, Right? Well, you may love the world, love the world, but if, if every time you turn around, the world's punching you in the face, 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 and there's pain and suffering, at some point you may be like, this world is garbage. This world is a dumpster fire. There's got to be something better than this mess. Right? Yes? That makes you look where? Somewhere else. That's better. That's good for your spiritually. Might not be good for you physically or emotionally, mentally, but it is good for you spiritually. Does that make some sense? All right. Let me read from one commentary just to show you what, how some people handle this. There is little doubt that Romans 8.28 has become a favorite verse of contemporary Christians. But care is needed in its application. It must only be applied to those who clearly exhibit a deep sense of the call of God in their lives, demonstrating a love for God by a life of obedience. Okay. Mainly, I would say it's, it can be applied to those who are believers. That's, that's how we should call it. Ne- neither is it to be seen as grounds for believing that everything will come out in the wash, because God has committed himself to sorting out the mess of our lives and relieving us of the consequences of our actions. It is eternal rather than temporal good which God has in mind. He works according to his purpose, which is far grander than the alleviation of the unpleasantness of the present or a guarantee of pain sailing under pain, plain sailing under cloudless skies in the foreseeable future. So, very important. When it's God's look about an eternal good, not a temporal good, and it's his purpose, not our purpose. And it's not about the alleviation, the alleviating of unpleasantness or pain. Okay. He is in the good business of making redeemed sinners like their elder brother, the Lord Jesus. And even a cursory glance at the way the father exposed the son to the realities of life and death should be sufficient to remind us that we can expect the same kind of process to work in our lives with the identical and ultimate result in conformity to him. If, G- if God will let Jesus suffer the realities of life, we're going to suffer the realities of life because he wants us conformed to the image of his son. 
That happens through suffering. So we know all things work together for good. We know what good it is. Is it a temporal good or an eternal good? Whose purpose? God's purpose. And God's purpose is not the alleviating of your suffering, but the conforming of you to his son. We know. I think it only works with those things that's being referenced. Now, you could expand it. Some commentaries will, all the way back to Romans 2, and talk about basically anything in relation to salvation works together for our good. But don't we already kind of know that all the things about salvation work to our good? That's kind of just a given. Right? Hey, hey, God did this to save you. Oh, he didn't do it for my good. No, we, we, we think that that's good. What do we have a problem believing it works out for good? Suffering. So I think that talks about what comes before. All right? Now, that gives us, that got us to, that's 28. Now let's read verse 29. Right? Uh, according to his purpose, then starting at verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he also called. Whom he called, he also justified. Justified, he also glorified. Verse 31, what shall we then say to these things? Those things in verse 31, and how did we put it in our outline? We know about these things. What things is he referring to there? Everybody better get this one right. Okay, or how could you say it? How many words are there? Five words in those verses, right? What are the five words? Forno, predestinate, called, justified, and glorified. We know about those things, or these things. We know about these things. We know that suffering works God's eternal good and his purpose in our lives. And we know about these things. We know about God's foreknowledge. We know about God's predestination. We know about God's calling. We know about God's justifying. We know about God glorifying. And what's the main thing we know about all of those things? How would be a good way to summarize what we know about those five words? What would be a good, like, one-sentence summary of those five words? Well, we spent like, I don't know, 16 years studying these words, okay? And I think I repeated the phrase like 9,000 times. What do we know? That everything related to salvation is the work of God, not of you. All the things related to salvation are the work of God, not of you. Okay, stay with me. Okay, all right. Let's see if this makes sense. I got to look at the time really quick. Oh, good. We're not even at 12 o'clock. We, we got, we're good to go. We got, we got hours to go. All right. All right. Thinking caps on. Everybody ready? Okay. I'm going to state it this way so that you can kind of see this starting to formulate. Everybody ready? Here we go. We know, all, we know about all things, and this gives us hope and suffering. We know about these things, and it gives us hope when it comes to our sin. All things gives us hope and suffering. These things gives us hope in sin. I don't know if you realize this or not, but you're all sinners. I don't know if you realize this or not. You've probably sinned this morning. You may be sinning now, and you'll be sinning probably on the way home. You'll sin tonight. You'll sin tomorrow. That can make you lose hope very quick, right? That can make you feel discouraged. That can make you feel defeated. That can make you want to give up. So how does knowing predestination 
foreknowledge, election, or, or when election is used later, okay, justified, glorified. How, how, how does knowing all of those words help you with your sin? Because it makes you realize that your hope with sin has nothing to do with you, but has to do with God working from eternity past into your present. We know these things. And immediately after he says he knows these things, he gives us the result of knowing these things. What are those things? What is it? What's the result of knowing these things? If God be for me, who can be against me? If God be for me, who can be against me? This is not to be said when you go walk on a basketball court. This is not to be said when you get into the octagon for the UFC fight. This is not to be said when you get into the boxing ring because you're going to get knocked out for saying something so stupid. Okay? Well, I've seen athletes do that. Well, if God is for me, who can be a... Knocked out. If God is for me... Knocked out. I'm like, well, just stop quoting Romans. Okay? Learn how to fight. Just stop. Okay? It's nonsense, Okay? No, if God is for me, who can be against me in what way? In salvation, you can talk all the trash you want about me. You can say whatever you want about me. You can bring up my first sin, my second sin, my hundredth sin. You can make a list. You can publish it. You can do whatever. But what can you not change? Because salvation is God's work, not my work, and you can't change his work. Does that excuse our sin? God, I always have to say that because some people hear that and be like, woohoo! We can do no, we still have to confess. We still have to deal with it. It's still embarrassing. We should never do it. We, we should avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. But at the same time, at some point, at some point, Christians should be the last one viewing you in light of your sin. They should be viewing you and light of God's work for you. Yes? It's very important. We, we talked about this in the idea of forgiveness. What, uh, what else does he say? Uh, verse 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now what things could this be referring to? Now this is where we may have a problem with the outline. Okay, I I got you to go one direction just to get you to this point, right? You know, you know, I do this stuff all the time, right? I know that makes you so angry, right? I get you going one direction and you're like, okay, I believe it. And then the next thing I do, I throw something like, wait a minute, you're just, because I'm, I try to get someone else to go, wait a minute, what about that verse? But nobody raised their hand to go, what about that verse? Now on Wednesday, Sarah did really good going, wait a minute, this verse, this verse says he washed his face, all right? That, that was good. But uh, eyes, yeah, eyes, right. In other words, it was a, it was a decent uh, implication of the verse. Right? Okay, so now this one, mm, what is he doing here? See, because you almost want, you know what I would want? I always want to say, hey, Paul, 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 Paul. No, no, that next verse, those things, let's move that one down a little further because we got some things there that to me fits with if God is for us, who can be against us? Because what does he say at, after, the, uh, after verse 32? Come on, Paul! That goes with 31! Yes? Yes? And Paul, you're messing up my outlining here. Come on, Paul. Say, I'm correcting Paul's outline. Your outline is garbage. The only difference is his is inspired. So, okay, I can't. But from an outline perspective, I'm like, come on, you're making hermeneutics class way too difficult here, Paul. So what in the world is he doing in 32, you think? What do you think? 
I think we've proven 28 is what comes before. I don't think there's any question that 31 is referencing those things that come before. 32 is the thing that throws us for a little bit of a loop because it seems like he's got it in the wrong place. What do you think? 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 Giving you the opportunity. I'm going to go, check the uh, Spreaker app really quick. Because there's probably someone out there going, no, the answer is... Are you sure? I thought we already said that that wasn't the case. <laughs> All right, let's work on this. Okay, so 31. Everybody see how 31 goes backwards, right? Everybody agree? Because it says these things, as Robert pointed out, right? Okay, 32. Okay, someone give me the words, verbiage of 32. Okay, so God, who did not spare his son, if he didn't spare his son, he's going to give us all things, right? That seems to be our reference to giving us what? Seems about something that... Well, okay, you're trying to go backwards. Okay? We've tried to establish the pattern that we have to move forward, right? So we've got to at least work this pattern out and see if it, it, pl- it plays out, right? I, I immediately told you that it may fall apart, but I, but I wanted you to go, but, 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 what I want someone to do is go, wait, 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 let's not throw it out yet, let's move forward and see if we can make it work. So let's see if we can make it work. Okay? What's, 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 but how many verses do we have to go before the next things are mentioned? Have we got four verses to go, or five? Okay, so we got five verses to figure out maybe what these things are, right? Is that a possible thing of looking at it? So let's go. So what's the very next thing mentioned in the very next verse? All right. So what thing could that be referencing? Who can lay anything to God's elect? What, what, what thing could this be referencing? What does it mean... If no one can charge you with anything. What, 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 what thing would that be? Okay. If no one can charge me of anything, then what, there is therefore now no, he's removed all possibility of condemnation. Would, you, would that not make sense? Now, Mr. Goodlett said we could go back to Romans 2 for some of this. Well, we could work our way through. There's therefore now no condemnation occurs where? Chapter 5, verse 1, right? Am I right? 5-1? I'm just going from memory. Okay, right? right? 5-1. So, let's just say this. The first thing he gives us, right? He gives us no condemnation or he removes all condemnation. Would that make sense? What's the next one? So let's, we're in verse 32, right? Is that the verse we're in? So everyone read verse 32 again. He that spared not his own son, delivered him up for us. With Christ has freely given us all things. Right? The very next verse is, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? I'm, all, all condemnation is removed. And then he goes on to say, it is God who... Now that does make a reference back to the justification we've seen, but it seems to be making a reference in this way. Or, or think of it this way. Everybody ready? This is very important. When you think of your salvation, right? When we think of salvation, we think of... We th- listen, we have been saved. We are being saved. And we will be saved. In a sense, in this way, 
God has saved me. I'm completely saved. But in a sense, I'm still being saved because I still sin, but I'm still saved. So this justification, I think, is refer- referencing to the fact that I am justified every day because of, what, of my justification of the past. In other words, my justification of the past is still relevant to my justification in the present. Right? Because in other words, if I know, any, I know of any of you in the church, right, you sin today, correct? How do I view you? Justified. Justified. Because God has, that justification is, I think this is a referencing to the, the practical reality or the the. the Reality and time. Justification in the previous section is referring to my justification in the past. This is referring to the fact that I'm justified in the present. There's a past justification and a present justification, at least in a theoretical sense. Does that make sense? Nobody can condemn me. Why can no one condemn condemn me? Because God justified me. I didn't justify me. You could condemn me if my justification was based off what I do. But it's not based off what I do. So you cannot condemn me. So God has given me no condemnation and he's given me a justification in the present. What's the next thing that said? Who is he that condemneth? I think you're getting the idea. All condemnation. Because the, the, the obvious answer is what? No, no man can condemn me. Okay. It is Christ who died. Risen again. Ooh, there we go. So, think of it this way. In this section, what things do I have? He's going to give me, he's going to remove condemnation. He's going to give me a justification that is relevant in the present time. And what else is he going to do? Make, interse- make intercession for me. The, if you go back to the previous section, when it talks about intercession, who's making the intercession in the previous part of Romans 8? We already looked at it. The Spirit. Now who is making intercession for us? Christ. There we go. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. See? I thought you're, I know what y'all were thinking. No, we had to go backwards, did you? Okay, yeah, everybody was ready to say, yeah, 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 take the bait. So easy, okay? I just throw out a little idea, and you're like, yeah, that's the way to go, okay? Okay. So, what things does these refer to? And now, oh, wait, is there another verse? What's the next verse? Okay. Who shall separate us? Okay. Okay, right. So, think about it this way. Are are you ready? So, if we go to the things mentioned in verse, or the things freely given to us by Christ in verse 32, right? Everybody ready? So, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The things this is referring to is, number one, uh, there is no condemnation. He freely removes. He gives us. He gives us a a, a no a, a positional a position where we cannot be condemned. Right? Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Rather, he is risen again. He also is at the right hand of the God to make intercession for us. He gives us the intercession of the Son. And then, what else does he give us? A relationship in which we cannot be separated from. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? That is written, for thy sake we were killed all the day long. We were accounted as sheep for the slaughter. He gives us a relationship that we cannot be separated from no matter what happens. What cannot separate us? Condemnation can't separate us because there is no condemnation he's justified us in our present sense in our present tense so no present sin can separate me and neither can suffering those are all the things he gives us because Christ's intercession for us do you see all of that 
Now that brings us to the last one, right? What verse? Verse 37, 38, and 39. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now your temptation may be to do what? They go backwards, right? But let's just move forward just to see if it works. Okay? What do we have coming after this? So in all these things, we're more than conquerors. Oh boy, I'm more than a conqueror. Yes. Okay? Through him that loved us. Okay, I am more. So let's go through all of those things. What's the first thing listed? Death. death. I'm more than a conqueror over death. Death cannot conquer me. Now, that more than a conqueror does not apply to losing weight, playing football, while the nonsense people quote this. Death. Next. Life. life. I'm more a conqueror in life. In what way? How am, I, how am I more than a conqueror in life? Nothing in this life can do what? Take my salvation or it shouldn't be able to take my hope because my hope is not found in this life. It's found in eternity. Okay, next. Angels. Angels can't conquer me. Well, how would an angel conquer me? A fallen angel can't do what? What can, what can a, a, a d- demon not do to a Christian? Cannot be possessed. What else can a Satan or a demon not do? Cannot take my salvation. Next. What's the next thing after angels? Well, there we go. Principalities. Next. Powers. Powers. You're all demonic spirit concept. In other words, the spirit world. I'm more than a conqueror over the spirit world. Next. Things present. Things to come. Height. Depth. Any other creature. None of it can do what? Separate me from the love of God. Meaning that I am a conqueror in that sense. Does that make sense? And and then that's the end. We're done with this section. We did it! We did it! Everyone celebrate. We did it! All right, so let's look at the outline. Everybody ready? Number one. We know about all things. What things do we know about? Suffering. What do we know about suffering? God uses suffering to benefit us spiritually. Right? And we know that he works things not for our temporal good, but for our eternal good, not for our purpose, but his purpose. Conforming us to the image of his son. Right, everybody got that? We know about all those. We know about all things. Next, we know about these things. What do we know in regards to these things? So the first thing we know is we know about suffering and we understand how to understand suffering. We're, we should be the suffering experts. We know about suffering. We understand it from a biblical. Now, that, our, our understanding doesn't apply to someone who's lost because it's not working the same way. Our suffering works differently than the suffering of a lost person. Next, we know about these things. What do we know about these things? We know when it comes to my sin that God has done the work of saving me. Therefore, I am secure in that. It's all a work of God. We know these things. What's the third one? We We know about the things we have received. What have we received? No condemnation. Christ's intercession. A a relationship in which we cannot be separated from. That's good news. And then the last one, we know we know all the things that we're more than conquerors of. And what are we more than conquerors of? Death, life, the spirit world. What else? Present. Things high, things low, present, past, future. Any other creature. We're more than conquerors over everything. And whom? In fact, the verse says at the end. Okay, okay. Well, it's in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's in Christ. Those are all the things. 
That's a lot of things to think about today. It's a lot of things. All right, any questions? Now, we've been spending the detail on that. Now you see the whole picture. Now, I, some may argue, well, those things reference here, those things reference there. I just tried to give a simple hermeneutical way of saying, well, let's just go with, they go, which way do they go? Does that make sense? Some of them went backwards, but a couple of them went. But you see how that works? Others would say they go forward. Yeah, I tried to make the argument that we have to go backwards on all of them, right? Remember, I, had to, I tried to make that argument? Right? And I tried to make the, but the main thing I tried to do is try to demonstrate that if the first one went forward, it would all start falling apart, right? Because there's only so far you can keep going forward. The first one has to go backwards, right? So now that we're set up, that we can move in a direction. That's the only, re- the only reason I try to make. I just try to throw those hermeneutical back and forths at you to get you to think about it, all right? So you could draw an arrow in your Bible, wherever it says these things. You could say, you could draw an arrow, does that go backwards or does that go forward? All right? So just, just to summarize, let's go back. Romans 8.28, let's do it this way if you want to draw your arrow. Romans 8.28, we know all things. We think those things refer to what? An arrow backwards to verse 18 to 27. The next things are located where? Verse 31. Who shall, what shall we say then to these things? That one clearly goes backwards, right? Has to go backwards, yes? Okay. It says these things. All right, and then that goes down to the next one. Uh, verse 30, which one? Verse 32, yeah. He that spared his own son but delivered him up freely with him will freely give us all things. We believe those things have to reference what? We think those have to go forward. Right? Because there's no really going back at that point. Yes? Why is there... Well, what causes the problem with this one? Why is verse 32 where the problem begins? Because verse 31 had these things, right? So you can't go back because the verse 31 covers the things that are back. So now, the, in some ways, if you think about it, remember I said I, think he, I felt like he had them out of place? But now it makes sense. By putting it right there, it forces you to do what now? Go for There you go. The text forced you to change direction. Put them back to back. Then immediately, I can't go back because he's already looked at those things. So... Then it goes, so the text, no, I just want you to see, the text gives you the hermeneutical clues. Hermeneutics is not just, people think, well, I didn't, I never learned hermeneutics. Learn reading. That's a reading comprehension thing, right? If you, if you read something, they keep saying these things, what's a normal reader would do? What things? Okay, when it says these things, wait, it just mentioned those things. Well, those things can't mention those things. That has to mention the thing exactly there you go see hermeneutics is but i i try to go make you go back and forth to try to figure that out so now hopefully you'll never forget it so draw now i, I do like to confuse but draw those arrows draw those arrows because anytime someone comes and quotes some messed up thing out of romans 8 you can say where where are your arrows where are your arrows? I don't see any arrows in your Bible. And they're like, what are you talking about? If you don't have arrows, you can't talk to me about Romans 8, 28 through 39. Okay? Just tell them that the arrows are in the Greek. Okay? Okay. I'm joking. They're not in the, they're not in the, okay. Okay. They might believe that. Okay. It's actually there in the Greek, but you have to write it out. Okay. Right. So, everybody, so everybody knows which way the directions, the arrows go there? Everybody got to figure it out? All right, good. So when I told you 32 was out of place, that, that was your clue. That was your clue. That was you to go, no, 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 no. It's perfect. Okay, because we're going to change directions here. But nobody said that, right? Because y'all were still trying to figure out what direction I was going. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this afternoon. Lord, very, very, very important section of scripture. Trying to make it as, as enjoyable as it can be. But these are some powerful truths that hopefully will give us hope, not only with our sin, but with the pain and suffering in this world. And we know 
that nothing separates us from you because of all the things that you have done for us and given us. And we thank you for, because of Jesus Christ that these things are possible. And it's in his name we pray. And God's people said,